This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into From the Braves Booths podcast. It is great to have you with us. This is our first real episode, Joe Simpson, and glad to have you all with us. Here's we bring you the From the Braves Booth podcast alongside Joe Simpson and Jonathan Chadwick. Ben Ingram here with you. Is this your first podcast to ever be a part of? First ever. I'm excited about it. Me too, man. What do we do? I, I think we just talk for a while. Okay. I, and I think Jay Chad just lets us know when we should stop talking. Well, he'll probably come down here. When it's time for us to stop talking, and he'll start talking. He will. He will. And that'll be a fun thing about this podcast is we have in between us right now, there's a third mic. And and Jay Chad's actually going to, as a matter of fact, right now, JC, why don't you come down here? Let's intro him. And and introduce yourself. Folks out there listen to us, and they hear us every single night, and they hear us talk about Jonathan all the time, (laughs) but they never get to talk to you, so he's wheeling his chair up right now. And we're going to be bringing you these episodes once a week through the rest of the season. And we got to have you on here in the first few minutes. Why do I need to be a part of this? Because you just are. Because you're a part of this deal, this whole thing up here. Okay. It's from the Braves booth, and you're in the Braves booth every single night, are you not? I am. You are. So you're as much a part of this as uh, as anybody. So we're just going to have a good time, talk some baseball, and obviously take some of your mail. We've got uh, an email address, bravesbooth at gmail.com, and that's just open. And anything you want to throw in there, JC will see and fire it our way. And we got some pretty good ones already this week, don't we? We do. We really do. So we'll get into those a little bit later. And um, lots of things we can jump in with. But just to get things going, Joe, I know this will be a lot of fun for us. And uh, as we talk Braves baseball and who knows whatever else, this will be a fun forum for fans to le- listen to uh, more about the Braves and listen to more of the uh, some of the nonsense that maybe we get into day in, day out. Yeah, I think some of the insight about uh, our daily routine and whether it's home games or road games, I think everybody's aware that we don't travel right now because of the uh, pandemic. But uh, there will be a lot of questions, I think, circulating around there that we can answer uh, with respect to how we handle it, how we do it, how Jonathan sets us up, how uh, the Braves Vision people set us up with various monitors and things so we can see as best as we possibly can the road games. Yeah, there's a lot going on when it comes to putting these games on when we are not there. And uh, we've got some questions already this week that we'll be touching on. And again, our, our email address, bravesbooth at gmail.com. And feel free to fire away with anything. Make sure you like and subscribe our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be with you every week through the rest of the season and hopefully into October. That'd be a lot of fun. Yep. If we see more of what we saw this past homestand, October certainly is a possibility. That was a great homestand, you know, Ben, right at the very beginning of the uh, homestand, we talked about the Nationals coming in and then the Dodgers and talked about how, in some respects, there was like a postseason feel to this. And a lot of it really came to pass over the weekend against L.A. with the packed houses we had, uh, the energy of the crowd and what have you. So, Braves played great. 
It's been my favorite thing to this point in the season is seeing the crowds at home. And, J.C., I know you can comment on this as much as anybody because when we're sitting here in an empty ballpark, I mean, we're bringing the baseball game, but a lot of these stadiums aren't anywhere near full capacity. And we've been able to see full capacity for the last maybe, what, month, month and a half? Yeah. And this past homestand, before you even talk about baseball, before you even get into a result or a big play or whatever, there are 121,000 people here over the weekend. Uh, and, and it just felt like the best environment I've seen in a baseball stadium. I mean, going back to 2019, I, I thought psychologically that, that was really important. I know it was for me. You guys probably feel the exact same way seeing that many people here. Well, I mean, for me, last year was a really weird thing, right? Not having anyone uh, in the house. And... You know, to watch the game and to not hear anything uh, w- was a weird deal. But this year, I think the first homestand, at least here in Atlanta, was open to 33% capacity, 50% the second homestand, and then we've been at 100 since then. And uh, everything uh, certainly feels like it's getting back to normal in that regard, and it's a lot more fun to do these games when fans are in the house. Yeah, it really is. And I had a, one of my best friends from high school was here for the weekend, and I left him some tickets. He came by himself. And, and I was telling him after the series, I said, man, you couldn't have picked a better series to come to. He said, you don't even have an idea. I said, two hours before the game out in the battery, there were lots of Dodger fans that are going back and forth in sport and social with Braves fans. He said it felt like a, a postseason environment. And I know we felt like that in the stadium, but just knowing that that was taking place out in the battery and folks for hours before the first pitch were out there with anticipation coming in, seeing that series, and then seeing the Braves win. It was an amazing weekend. That's why I think we've been saying that uh, it had all the makings of postseason baseball, which I now say the Braves and Dodgers are tied 5-5 right. <laughs> uh, with the 11th game to come. Uh, so but between the pitchers that were on the mound for both sides, the only guy that was missing was really Walker Bueller for the Dodgers. But everybody else, their other three uh, studs were in there, and the Braves won two out of three. So despite the fact that the Braves played poorly defensively for most of the series, they still won two out of three thanks to some good pitching, not just from their starters, but from the bullpen. And when there were close games, the fans interacted so strongly, and mm-hmm. Braves fans had to drown out some of the Dodger faithful that were here. That was just fun to watch and listen to. It was. I keep thinking about that series with the Reds last year mm-hmm. with no one here and what it might have been like in that 13-inning game. And True. There wasn't a soul here. No. Uh, just an amazing game. So to see that and, and see great baseball like we did really made you feel like we're back. I'm glad you mentioned what we saw out of the bullpen. Of all the things that we saw on the field, and there are a lot of really good things that we saw on the weekend, I think to this point, 57 games into the season or wherever we are, the the thing that has been the most inconsistent has been the bullpen. And I think we have probably come to the conclusion that until this pin starts to show more consistency, it's going to be hard to expect much more than what they've been doing. They've been floating just under 500. I think that goes such a long way. If these guys can do that the rest of the way, what a major turnaround that could be for the ball club. It would be huge, especially with all the heat that they've taken from everyone uh, in light of Shane Green being gone, Mark Melanson being gone, uh, for the guys, the other guys to step up when needed. And that's why I've asked Brian Snitker on his show in the past week, or, or talked to him more than ask him, uh, about the uns—it's it, unscientific about who to go to and when to go to him. He talks about how you just hope you go to a guy out of the bullpen who's rested, number one, and who's on his A guys' A stuff that night. It's not always the case, but Brian doesn't know 
what that's going to be until yeah. they get in the game. And while a manager might get criticized up one side and down the other for bringing in a guy who gets lit up, he didn't know. He wouldn't have brought him in if right. he knew he was going to get lit up. So uh, he's hoping for the best when he does that and tries to use his best judgment about when to go to a guy. And during that series uh, against the Dodgers, for sure, he hit all the right buttons. Does any of what we've seen out of the bullpen to this point remind you a little bit of where the Braves were in 2019? And the reason I say that is they go to the trade deadline, you make three big acquisitions, and the bullpen, for the most part from there on out, was a completely different group. I mean, they, they were lights out most of the season. They had the one game where they blew the lead in Miami, and after that, they didn't really blow anything the rest of the way. And, and they were they got there, they were winning almost in spite of the bullpen for the first four months of the season. And I'm wondering if there's, if Snit feels like there's any similarities to what maybe he has right now versus uh, what they were doing in 2019. Well, if you think about it, in, in 2019, when you bring in three guys midway through the season, you push every everybody down. Yeah, The guys that you were counting on in the 7th, 8th, and ninth are now working the 5th, 6th, and 7th if you need them. Because you got some other guys to work the 7th, 8th, and ninth, and they were all quality arms. Uh, and I, Chris Martin is along with Shane Green, of course, and Melanson when they came along. But uh, with Green still here, well, I mean, with I'm sorry, with uh, Martin still here, and with the way Will Smith is pitching, uh, everybody's anticipating the arrival of Shane Green, and that's only going to make him better. I like what Shane said the other day. He was asked about where he is and how he feels, and he said, and "You might expect this, given that he's not pitched in a game until now." And here we are, the first week of June, almost second week of June. He says, I've never been this prepared for a season in my life. And that was music to my ears yeah. because that tells me not only is he ready to go and be another arm, he's ready for high leverage situations, which he's going to be thrown right into the middle of, Joe. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. He, he'll he be used um, as soon as he's ready. Uh, Snit will go to him right away no matter what the situation. It will. So we'll see how the Braves do in Philadelphia. It's been a tough place for the Braves to play over the last few seasons. I was looking at this. Going back to 2019, the Braves have dropped 13 of their last 20 at Philly and seven of their last 10. I, I don't know if it's more that ballpark or the team that they've been running out there. And they, they've got a good team. And when you're seeing some of their aces, like the Braves will see this series in Philadelphia, uh, I don't care who you are. You're going to have a difficult time with those pitchers. Yeah, I'm not sure why Citizens Bank Park has become kind of a, a tough place for the Braves because they have played well there in the past. But the three guys they're going to see this uh, this week against the Phillies, Nola, Wheeler, and Eflin, they're no better than the guys they just saw with the Dodgers. Right. The only difference is you're playing on the road, a hostile crowd in Philadelphia, certainly, and uh, hopefully the momentum will carry them because uh, they. Uh, we were looking it up just before the podcast about how uh, the Braves did have some success earlier this year against NOLA specifically, and maybe they can uh, carry that forward. When it comes to aces in this division, it's a, it's a pretty long list. I feel like sometimes Aaron NOLA gets – push to the side sometime. We think about DeGrom, we think about Scherzer, but for my money, I mean, Nola is top five in this division, no doubt. Yeah. And, and it seems like when we see him, and you mentioned that it was on May the 9th last time the Braves saw him, and they got after him pretty good. And that's probably the most success they've had against him. But we start detailing aces in this division and then it's oh yeah and Aaron Nola and and to me he's been about as tough as anybody that you've seen no doubt about it he can on any given night he can be really good Zach Wheeler's been outstanding since they signed him uh and of course he's just from up the road here uh just outside the metro area of Atlanta uh but uh we probably ought to pause for our sponsors to you know get a work do we have any sponsors Jay Chad oh we're clear this week okay 
Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know if we had any this sponsors. This would normally be a good spot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no sponsors. Get that. Uh, so that's what a podcast is all about, huh? It is. You just you just ramble. You just go, man. Yeah, you just get it and there's, go. There's no edits or anything. Right. You just now, say whatever you want to say. Back to the Phillies. Uh, the Phillies are a ball club a whole lot like the Braves, at least to this point of the season. They, to use your words, Ben, one step forward, two steps back. They just can't get on any kind of roll. And uh, their bullpen's certainly better than it was last year because last year was the worst anybody had ever seen. But uh, so they had only one way to go. Uh, but they're a good ball club, and they're—I mean—they've got Harper and Real Muto just to start, you right? Know? So you work from there. You, you've got a pretty good lineup. Another par pro- problem for them has been defense. Um, Alec Bohm has been uh, hot at times, cold at times, not just with a bat, but with a glove too. Right. So they're having a hard time catching the ball consistently, and that's held them back. All right, I want to ask you one more question about this upcoming road trip, and then we can jump into some of our our first uh, mailbag of questions. And we get some good ones in here, and they're kind of all over the road, which is great. We keep waiting for the team to get to the 500 mark. We keep thinking that once they get there, you can hit the reset button and say, okay, here you go, and this is our jumping-off point. And we're all, all three of us are very optimistic that once they get there, that'll happen. I think we all feel like that's going to happen. It is such a long season. you got plenty of time. Is this the road trip that it, at least if you're forecasting this thing, does it look like this is the kind of road trip where the Braves could actually come back 500 or better? Because you've got the Phillies and you've got the Marlins, division games. But going into this this uh, road trip with the momentum that they have coming off the Dodgers series, I feel like this could be the time where they actually come back and you're, you're sniffing over 500 for the first time. Yeah, I would like to see them come back with a little breathing room over 500, you yeah. know? Uh, a couple of games over would be nice, or three would be awesome to come back before you you have to take on uh, that next homestand, which is difficult with Boston and St. Louis coming to Truist Park. So, yeah, it could be. Uh, I don't want to say we've been burned, but the couple of times the Braves have fought back to 500, we're ready, like you said, to, hey, that's a jumping off point. Here we go. Forget what's happened to this point. Now we're ready to roll, and it hasn't happened. But the Braves offensively are beginning to score runs without the need of Freddie and Acuna. You know, some other guys right. are picking up some of the slack. Big time pickup from Ozzie, Swanson, Riley. Those guys are helping out. So the lineup is beginning to put some runs on the board, and that's going to be that's going to do nothing but help the staff. All right, let me jump into some of these questions. And this first question is about the lineup. Uh, this question comes from Matthew, and we appreciate uh, the, the uh, email, Matthew. The question is, with Ozuna out, should the Braves consider moving Freddie back to the three spot in the lineup and have Albies bat second and Riley fourth? If you're looking on numbers alone, I know that Ozzy might not look like your typical three-hole hitter, but he's hitting like 390 yeah. since going to the three-hole. And, and I guess if you're just strictly results-oriented, it's hard to touch him when he's doing that in that spot. Yeah, and has taken over the lead in RBIs on the team. Yeah, uh, He's been on a remarkable roll uh, for RBIs in a short number of games, so I wouldn't mess with that. I, I appreciate the question because it's a good one, but uh, right now I wouldn't mess with the top five in the way it's set up. And to me, that's such a good thing. I think when the, when the Braves lost Marcelo Zuna, if you lose your cleanup hitter, most teams would be probably in a tailspin. Who's going to fill that spot? How do I reshuffle this lineup? And, and what's the right matchup to get me the, the production that I need? The good news is Ozzy's been doing what you've been talking about. And I think we've been saying this for the last two or three weeks, Joe, how the way that, that Riley has been swinging the stick 
it felt like he could be a, a really solid option batting cleanup, and I think we felt like he's done pretty well there. I think uh, Austin's presence, his size, batting cleanup, there's something to that. You know, the cleanup hitter was always supposed to be some big hulk. He looks know? the role, doesn't he? Yes, he does. You know, some big home run hitter to, to do just what he's supposed to do, and that's clean up. So he is that size of a guy, and he is that presence, and I like him there. Uh, maybe even more than when Ozzy was hitting there. So, uh, like I said, I wouldn't mess with the top five right now and subject to any other changes or any new players or anything, then it could be readdressed. I wonder if that's something, I know we talk about the, the bullpen and how maybe leading up to the trade deadline, you're always looking for an arm or two, similarly to what they did two years ago. I wonder if you get uh, into July and start thinking about making the lineup deeper and adding a bat somewhere along the way. I mean, you, you losing Marcelo Zuna, it, it did shorten the lineup. And while these guys have performed, I think you'd be looking to find some more depth for that lineup at some point between now and the trade deadline. Well, I love uh, Adrianza and what he's doing. He's helping out a lot. I, I look at him as the super utility guy, and I think he's um, more valuable off the bench. Right. Uh, quite frankly. Uh, then you've got uh, Sandoval over there as well, and you've got your backup catcher, whoever that might be at that particular time. So I, I like Adrianza back on the bench, and I would love to see the Braves go get an everyday left fielder. And I'd love it to be a veteran and a guy who um, has a scowl on his face for anything that's going on, whether it's on the field with the Braves or in the clubhouse. I don't want to call him an enforcer. I don't right. mean that kind of guy. But a guy whose respect you have as soon as he walks in the clubhouse. I'd love to see that. How hard is that? Because I know we talk about making a trade and statistically what a guy might give you. But what a guy, especially in this sport, what a guy can give you in the clubhouse goes a long way. And those are intangibles that you don't see that on the back of a baseball card. If you were to bring in somebody who, who immediately had the respect of the clubhouse, could that person immediately be a vocal leader day one with a brand new team? No. That's something no. you got to grow into? No. If he's that type of person and player, he knows better than to do that. He knows this is not his team, that he just walked into a good club, and he will be like a, a new coach might be just to observe and watch and see how things operate around here and how the players react to him you still got to earn that respect from everybody and it doesn't come in one day but it, if he's the type player we're talking about it wouldn't take long do you think that's the role that Nick Markakis had a year yes, ago no doubt and man I, I know when it comes to replacing numbers and you know statistics that's one thing when you're trying to replace a chemistry guy, yeah. a guy who's almost like a sheriff in the clubhouse, even if you get the right guy, like you said, he can't come in and do that day one. No. It's, it's an interesting thing for a general manager to have to think about and find the right guy who can wear all those hats. Right, and who's not uh, who's not just walking around with pom-poms, you know, being a cheerleader. He's a guy who's actually doing it. Uh, I think back to, I, I, th I want to say 2012, and I may be off on one of those championship runs for the Giants when they brought in Hunter Pence mm -hmm. and what he did for that ball club when he came on and galvanized everybody together. They had those things going on in the dugout where they were all jumping up and down and they were all instigated by Hunter Pence. And then he led by example in right field too, playing hard and doing all the things he did. That's the kind of guy I'm talking about who can come in and immediately the young players look at him and go, well, he's been there and done that. Was McGriff that kind of guy when you go back into the 90s? Quietly. Quietly. I mean, he was, uh, and he was a force to be reckoned with. But Fred always had a smile on his face. Right. Uh, uh, you'd have to ask some of those teammates if he was 
any kind of uh, uh, father figure, you know, uh, enforcer type guy. I don't think he was because he's not that natured, that type of nature. But uh, certainly the guy you're thinking of is Nick Markakis immediately, and that's that's the kind of person I'm talking about. Yeah, and that's interesting to think about it, landing the guy for Brian your team. Jordan. Yeah. Brian Jordan type guy. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you got plenty of time. I mean, there's a month and a half till the trade deadline, and I, I'm very fascinated to see, A, where the team is at that point, and B, who they can go out and get and how active they are. All right, as I mentioned, our email address is bravesbooth at gmail.com. Let's go ahead and throw in some questions here. When will you guys get back on the road for broadcast? That is for John. And the quick answer to that, John, is we do not know. But I think we're becoming more and more hopeful every single day. We just discovered that uh, on the next homestand, the St. Louis Cardinals come to town. And from what we understand, their broadcast team is coming. We've learned of the Tigers, uh, the White Sox, the Twins. I believe all their broadcast crews are traveling now. So it seems like the further we get into the season, here's another team or there's another team over there. And maybe by the time you get to the All-Star break, you could have a dozen teams traveling. And that makes us pretty hopeful. Yeah, it's kind of like the attendance thing, you know. Slowly but surely, each ballpark's letting more and more people in. The Braves uh, were aggressive with that early on. Uh, got got to 100% capacity. Uh, I think maybe Texas, the Rangers, were the only team that were uh, allowing that many people in at the time. Uh, but you're right. We just were hopeful. The only thing that uh, I, con- I continue to argue or say about that is if going, if traveling to the opponent's ballpark means we just go to the booth and we sit we're not allowed on the field we're not allowed to talk to the players then then what good is it right we might as well just stay here Uh, so we're all hopeful that we can get back on the charter travel with the team stay in the team hotel and have things get back to some semblance of normal because it's not just being there that is the full puzzle having the access having the ability to go talk to a player about about a specific thing or go down to the cage we're able to have access that we can bring to the air that night true and, you know, being there is a big part of it. It's so much easier to call a game that you're at rather than watching on a monitor that's literally the size of a shoebox that's sitting in front of me right now, which is mm-hmm. what we're working on tonight. But having the ability to, to roam through the clubhouse, go to the cage, talk to players, uh, having the access to players and broadcasting the information that we gather from having individual conversations with these guys, to me, that's one of the best parts of this job and one of the most important parts of this job. And it's so hard to do this job when when all of that access is completely taken away. Um, since I started doing this 35 years ago, my favorite part of the day was coming to the ballpark and being in the dugout or walking out and hanging around the cage during batting practice and talking to some of the guys just saying hello or talking to the hitting coach you know what's jay chad working on here it looks like he doesn't know how to hold the bat but <laughs> um you know that type of question you know just to kid around have some fun what what's this guy working on what's he trying to do and then i can come back up here and tell the fans what he's working on so that's information that we can't get right now and, and I miss those conversations. You know, it's not just the conversations either. It's the relationships because mm-hmm. we do this every single day. And whether it be the guys down there or folks up here, I mean, like it or not, we're pretty much each other's families for seven and a half months of the season. And you get used to seeing those guys every single day. It's not just about what happened last night in the right. third inning, what's happening in your life and, and that kind of how's your wife and your kids and that kind of thing. And that's a big part that's missing as well. Well, they know, the players know that... Uh, when you're on the road, when you're in the buses and on the plane and in the hotels 
they know you're right there with them. They know that you're putting in the same amount of time and hours uh, on the road as they do uh, with respect to the games and, and putting the doing our jobs. Um, this The way we're doing it now with these road games, you mentioned the monitors. And, Jonathan, I'm going to ask you to let the people know a little bit about um, what you have to do and go through to prepare the booth for us so we can do the game via the monitors. Well, when the team's on the road, everything completely changes. We have one, two, three, four. We have six different monitors in the booth. Uh, you have Both of you have your each individual monitor that you call the game off of. But we have all nine monitors, which is basically a high home shot that shows the entire field. So you can see all nine guys on the field. You can follow the runner. You can follow the ball. You can do different things off of that monitor. We have bullpen monitors. Um, so there's just a lot of things that, that go on throughout the course of the game that we need to be able to see and not being physically there at the park this is what we have currently uh, to work with so we do the best we can with what we have Uh, it is difficult at times I'm used personally I'm used to relying on no one but myself to help execute a broadcast and unfortunately now um, I have to rely heavily on TV and Braves Vision without those two we, we could not do what we're doing right now. And, and not just that, but uh, we are at the mercy of the opponent's TV coverage. So, for example, the Braves are on the road uh, on this road trip, and they, their fr- first stop is in Philadelphia. We're at the mercy of the Philadelphia Phillies TV coverage. So they're going to show a lot of Phillies, you know, between pitches or in the dugout. They're not going to show the Braves a lot. We're the least of their concerns. Oh, yeah, it, it's their broadcast, and so that's understandable. Uh, we do the very best we can. Jonathan and the guys down at Braves Vision provide us with the best opportunity to see what's going on. But we're just like you folks at home. We see what you see. There's no doubt about it. And I'll give you a good example. When the Braves go to Philadelphia, the bullpen camera that shoots the Braves bullpen is also used um, for TV of like beauty shots of downtown Philadelphia and the skyline. And so a lot of times when they come back from break, that camera's used to shoot something else. Well, as you said, we're at the mercy of the TV director and what they're showing. And sometimes there, there may be someone warming up in the bullpen and we have no idea who that is. At some point, I guess you have to laugh at some things. And we got to do that on the last trip when the team was in Boston. I don't know how this happened. I don't know if someone hung a a jacket on the camera or something like that, but they had moved the camera angle from our bullpen camera where it was angled down. So all you could see was from about the mid shin and down. So you had no idea who was warming up. And at one point, Jay Chad comes on in our ear and he's like, Red Sox have somebody warming up. Looks like he's wearing a pair of 13 New Balances and that's about all I got for you. And he's right-handed. We could tell with the way he's striding. We had no idea (laughs) who the heck the guy was. And and it's funny because the next question on this list was, what's been the hardest part about doing games from Atlanta when the team is on the road? That's from Doug. And Doug, I hope this answers some of your questions. I I think for me personally, uh, there are plenty of times where I have no idea where the ball is. And that is relatively important in the game of baseball is knowing where the ball is. Speaking of that Boston series, there was a home run that William Contreras hit. And the game didn't – it was late in the game. I think Boston was up five, six runs. William hit a home run. This is after that rain delay. It was a three-hour rain delay. We're on the air at 12.45 at night or something like that. And William hits a tank to left field. Cleared the monster, cleared the seats, everything. 
we had no idea where the ball was. Right. And I remember I said, oh, and that ball's out of here. And you said, oh, wow. <laughs> we, we had no way to react any differently because right. we had no clue what was going on with, with where that ball was. But I think that's the most difficult thing. I'd say the two most challenging things about doing play-by-play off the monitor is when there is a when when you have two or more men on base and there's a ball either down the line or to a gap, you have no clue how many guys are scoring, where the guys are on the base paths. Uh, did he clear the bases with a double? Did somebody fall down? Did we have a similar uh, similar situation to Randy Rosarena last year in the World Series where he's crawling between third base and home plate? I have no idea because I can't see it, and you're just kind of assuming and kind of hovering in that moment where you'll say enough to describe the action, but I can't sit there and for certain say that's a bases clearing double right? Uh, until I see the, the, the smoke clear and what the scoreboard on my monitor says. We, we have a basic working knowledge of where the ball went, and we know Ron Washington well enough that we can kind of anticipate that he's going to wave some guy home, but we got no promises on that. We right and we there's no isolated shot on the base runner to show us where he is exactly uh we have to take our eye off the monitor that's showing this the the action and go to the all nine which is showing the whole field to see if we see any of the runners and where they are it's not easy folks but we're doing the best we can how about that one where you get a pitch and the catcher just pops up and throws a second base you had no idea the guy was running at first base right and you got a guy steal oh by the way here's this so and so is attempting a steal of second base. I think it's also things too, like scoring decisions. When we're not there, the official score is in a town that we're not in, and so the information we get is delayed. Right. And I can speak for myself. I'm a pretty routine-oriented person, so I like to show up to the ballpark and do the same thing every day. And whether it's lineups or umpires or uh, certain things, you know, I have to wait on other people to give me that information and. You know, my priority is not always their priority, and I understand that, but it's just things like that, uh, in my opinion, at least from where I sit, have made this more difficult as well because I'm used to just getting what I need when I need it. Right. Well, so long as we get to pack a suitcase and uh, go down in the clubhouse next time, I'm ready to hop on a plane. Yeah, I know. I think everybody's getting antsy for that. Uh, I'm with you, Ben. I can't imagine that it's too far off, uh, provided MLB gets, you know, has their... You know, I, I look at... MLB like the Glenda, the nice witch of the north. Was that what it was in Wizard Sounds of Oz? Sounds right, with the, yeah. the pink hat and all yeah, that. pink hat and had a magic wand. Right. I picture uh, Rob Manfred with a little magic wand, and he's just sitting there, and he's, hey, the Braves want to know if they can travel. <gasps> Ding, <laughs> no, you can't. Well, there's been lots of times yeah. where he was more like the other witch. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. <laughs> you could land on him with a house. Oh, that already <laughs> happened, yeah. But I, sometimes I just kind of get frustrated with uh, the uh, lack of uh, obj- objectivity for everybody. You know, like his MLB network guys travel, or they let people come into their studios and everything from different right. teams when they go to New York. That's all fine and dandy, but heaven forbid anybody go on the field to talk to those guys. Yeah, I know it. All right, let me jump to a few more questions before we end this first historic episode. Before of- we get off on the commissioner again. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, what's been, this is really putting us on the spot here, but this is a good question from Jeff. What's been one of the funny moments in the booth this season? And there's a couple that come to my mind. One that happened on the field, one that happened during a game. Uh, the, the night that Anthony Rizzo was pitching and 
Freddie Freeman was out. The whole place was was in laughter at that point. Yeah. That was a fun moment for the, at the ballpark that night. That was. And the reason it was fun was because uh, Rizzo was having a good time with it and because when Freddie got up there, he was too. And then when Freddie struck out, it you know, it, it all broke loose. Yeah, so, it was. So that was enjoyable. And it was only enjoyable also because the Braves were kicking the tar out of the Cubs. Yeah, that was the best part. But that was funny. Something else that really got me, and we uh, nobody makes more mistakes than I do. I feel like I make 100 mistakes. Uh, so I'm not coming down on Casey Motter, the Braves' uh, public address announcer. But the other night in a ball game with uh, L.A., I think this was Friday night, Pablo's coming up to pinch hit. And any of us could have made this mistake. But Casey comes onto the mic across the stadium and says, now pitching for the Braves. <laughs> Pablo Sandoval, yeah. and we just lost it. <laughs> and we weren't laughing at Casey, no. but just the idea of, of Pablo being out there on the mound pitching. I mean, it, it took me a pitch or two before I was really locked yeah. back in. Just that visual in my head was hilarious. Well, part of it, too, is that Casey's got such a big, booming voice. And yeah. No pitching. And whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pablo so, out there on the mound. That would have been great. That would have been. That would have been some real kung fu stuff. You have any humorous moments that jump to your mind? Oh, I do, but none that we can talk about. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and because Jonathan's sitting here. Oh, yeah, of course. Got anything, JC? <laughs> the thing that happened in Boston with the bullpen camera was really funny to me a few weeks ago. But one thing Joe and I were talking about the other day, it didn't happen this season, but it's a really funny moment that happened in this booth. Before the game, or, or when the game starts, the time of first pitch is announced, and they also tell us what the temperature is. So we, we would have fun, and the three of us here in the booth, we would guess what the official score was going to announce for the temperature. And we started to have fun, and we put a buck in every day. The winner, you know, gets three bucks. And I went like 15, 17, 20 days in a row. And we're talking about, you know, three numbers. Right. And I kept losing, I kept losing, I kept losing, and I didn't understand why. Like, how am I losing every day? Well, come to find out, I was losing because uh, Joe may have told the official score, like, <laughs> hey, don't announce this number today. So you might guess 72. He'd go down there and say, do not say 72 degrees. Correct. And I was just <laughs> donating money every single day. He's taking his money every single day. Don't gamble with an old guy. That's what yeah. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, we got time for a couple more. Um, let's see. Oh, here's a good one for you, Joe. And I think I know the answer to this. If it meant the Braves winning the World Series, would you eat an entire bag of Oreos each day for the rest of the season? Now, we got a hundred and five games left or whatever that's a very there's a lot of intuitive insight into my consumption of oreo double stuff oreos so you're not far off and who's the who wrote that in this is from tina tina you're not far off but i don't know that i could do a whole bag of double stuff per day every day just to get them in there no i'd probably run out of gas after about you know six weeks say <laughs> <laughs> so, what your dentist would be pleased yeah right <laughs> yeah uh, so while we use them we try to use them um at the right moments you know they're like rally oreos it's like like just like rally caps so if we are down a run or two late we hit the we hit the oreos and hit them hard yeah, it's not random no we've got to we got to pick our spots it's kind of it is somewhat random but only because the braves need runs right exactly what what happens on the field dictates our oreo yes. intake yes yeah so there is a, a method to the badness there and, and if we really have to dig deep jay chad has a uh, construction hard hat with the mm -hmm. atlanta braves logo on the front mm -hmm. 
And in really moments of dire need, that gets put on. And, and from what I can gather this season, from what I remember, when we've hit the double stuffs and he's wearing the construction hat, I, I think they come back every single time. I think we're undefeated. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah, we're on to something. So, all right, some really good questions. Uh, this is from Greg, who would win in a push-up, <laughs> push-up contest, Ben, Joe, or J. Chad. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel all right with push-ups. I could probably knock a few out. I don't know, though. Joe. Wow. He's going to go there and just and, and nominate himself. I'm just feeling good about it. Narcissism at its finest. <laughs> My goodness, on push-ups. Well, he's got a bad shoulder right now. That I is think, true. I think we can maybe get him. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. J. Chad on that. He might be able to. Yeah, uh, he, does, he doesn't have as far to go down as you <laughs> right. <and I> do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm putting in twice the work for one. Yeah, I know it. Uh, well, guys, this has been fun, and that, that's our. We're finished. That's our first podcast. That's awesome. Nice and easy. Just now, talk the, baseball now these and, words from our sponsors. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe well, next week. Maybe next week. Yeah, maybe okay. next week. Well, feel free to shoot us an email, bravesbooth at gmail.com, and maybe next week we'll use your question on our show. And there's really no limits to where you can go with this. We'll talk about whatever you want to get into. Uh, like today, we talked about everything from the homestand to Oreos. So feel free to fire away, and we'll be chatting with you very soon. For Jonathan, for Joe, I'm Ben. You've been listening to From the Braves Booth. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.